City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. And good morning, Kevin. Slowly but surely getting himself in order. Getting myself organised here. Annie, good morning, Annie. Uh, Annie McLaughlin's here this morning, and uh, that's because Corey couldn't make it in, and Annie, uh, has to, Annie, Annie was coming in anyway to be a guest on the program, but now she's found herself... I'm empty death dressed, <laughs> or whatever right, they call it. She's all sorts of things. And I was going to ask her to stick around anyway, because our main, our, our, our second and first Wednesday being Transport Day, John McPherson coming on, I thought Annie could well stick around and discuss transport anyway, since she <laughs> has an interest in the subject. As and, everybody uh, should. As everybody should. And um, and John also, they're all they're all falling by the wayside today. Corey fell by the wayside, and then last night John rang, and by his voice, I didn't blame him. He's got a he's come down with something, and he's going to be on the phone in the second half of the show. But okay. But uh, he couldn't come in, so, so what, Annie, it's you bit. and me, Annie, it's just you and me. <laughs> oh, the poor Looking, listeners. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, the, no, be the, positive. They're the victims of all this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. But look, you were going to talk about, <clears throat> and I know you covered it in the previous program as well, actually. But um, Yeah, right. but uh, I was a bit careful. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to be talking about the ACTU Congress. Yeah, I, yeah. I heard it very... Uh, I heard the very start, but then I was on my bike getting here for the rest of your programs. I didn't hear. I hear it Saturday morning, the replay on that show. But uh, but um, we will talk about that eventually this morning because there is um, clear as one an overview of, of you. But I thought a couple of other things worth mentioning, and they're not all unrelated, of course. Mm. Um, the, um, the the you'll be pleased to know the Salvation Army has now got a new app which gives them much more information about the homeless in Melbourne. Isn't that lovely? That's, that's, <laughs> but, uh, so you know where they are. Where they are. <laughs> which is good. You can't escape them. Well, it links us into the fact that on the week when we had the the 200 richest of the filthy rich Australians announced, many of the filthy rich are going to have a sleep out for the homeless. Isn't that great? And <laughs> They've got their own specially designed beanies, which are very warm, and they have state-of-the-art sleeping bags and all that, but, and they do it in the same place. They don't just go out and have to find somewhere to sleep. They do it in the... Um, the or somewhere I think it's saying it does say here somewhere Melbourne Convention Centre are they going to? I suppose this is a little bit around this issue of um, making poverty glamorous in inverted commas. Well, it takes, that shows they care, Annie. It shows the rich care for the poor. I think that's oh, a great thing. Well, I remember. I think there's another angle to this potentially, mm-hmm. and that is that uh, you put a person in a situation that really has absolutely no imagination around these kind of issues and they suddenly realise that it's actually a bit uncomfortable. I remember a while ago, uh, probably a couple of decades ago, that uh, in England uh, there was some sort of charity that got MPs to go and uh, stay a night in a a prison cell. Mm. Oh boy, did that cause them the heebie-jeebies. They they tightened up the laws, made them put them in longer. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe getting them used to it, you reckon? Yeah, well, they, I mean, it, to work properly, they've got to actually spend about a month uh, well, doing right. it uh, with no money in their pocket. Oh, got a couple to of days, throw, but you, not, yeah, you can't have a shower. Get rid of the credit cards, um, yeah. 
give work it, out where you're going to have the piss. Work out the dog. Work out how you're going to get get your form into um, social security from Noah Joe fixed to drop boat, etc. And uh, take it from there. But uh, no, just one night. Do you want a cup of tea, Annie? It's, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, why not? I'll try and pour it near the microphone. They tell me with these mics you can't hear the tea being poured, which is a real problem because. We like people. We like a bit of um, well, well certain, free entertainment in the park. Well, there's certain listeners who are able to, um, to put it nicely, go to the toilet when they hear the tea being poured, and they can't do that if they don't hear it being poured. Which is, <laughs> which is, um, anyway. you're, a so, you're a social service. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> but another, another headline which struck me as being very interesting in the Herald Sun last week or the week before, MH370 to be left at sea, and I thought, well... It does beg an interesting question because, given that they have no idea where the bloody thing is, what other choice have they got? Well, they have to give everybody the sense that they're in control. Right. Okay. Thanks that for that. That must be it. Yeah. Because <laughs> a former senior train killer got an honour at Christmas time for not finding it. <laughs> remember, he was, remember, he was put in charge of. Yeah, that's right. Gave him an honour for that. Um, now, a couple of just a couple of headlines that I thought worth mentioning. Because um, no need to comment on these, they say everything, and it relates it probably goes back to our first point about homelessness. Headline in the Herald Sun last week: "Cop that doll cheats." AFP officer to lead crackdown on welfare scams. Didn't say scums, scams, but probably meant the same thing. And another headline: Financial Review last week: Abbott to fight for welfare cuts says a job is better. So I think they sum things up pretty well, don't you think? No need to comment really much. No, not really. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is time for us to remind listeners that the radiothon's coming next week. Hmm? You said the R. Three ah! CR's 2015 radiothon is almost here, and we need your support more than ever. Indigenous people, refugees, students, and people with a disability, the unemployed, youth, and the elderly are all under attack from Abbott government's ideological war on the poor. At 3CR, we're asking you to activate the airwaves from June 1st to 14th by donating money during our annual Radiothon to keep us on air for another year. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference, so to donate, go to 3cr.org.au or call 94198377. Get active. Support 3CR, truly independent community radio. See, Corey's here in spirit. She is, she is. And uh, and just a couple of things before we get you to give your uh, overview of the conference or the Congress. But Yeah, Congress. Uh, What's Congress. the difference between a conference and a Congress? Um, um, G-R-E-S-S as opposed to <laughs> F-E-R-E-N-C-E. Uh, uh, maybe gress, for the gress advertising. Gress yeah, yeah. They probably use the difference. If anybody knows, <laughs> give us a call. Anyway, um, but I used it on the week that was, and I used Congress, and I thought it was Congress, wasn't it? Because a lot of the media it were calling it. has a kind it, of a sexual yeah, connotation, yeah, Congress. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Anyway, uh, one, I thought an interesting article yesterday in the Herald Sun, which I found, you know, because though we know they go in for the hard news stuff, yeah. Jacinta <laughs> Rocks as new and the name of the store, Buddy, and the, the, one of our two great department stores. Glamour girl Jacinta Campbell has officially joined this store as a friend of the brand. She's not she's not an ambassador. Two other models are the ambassador, but she, she, she'd like to be the ambassador. She has ambitions. 
She's a friend and a fantastic talent who shares our brand values, the spokesperson said, whatever those brand values are. I think they're very expensive. Anyway, that's the one thing we can guarantee. Um, She was thrilled to be stepping up her association with the department store and working alongside the official ambassadors. They've been fantastic to me over the years. And while she is remaining low-key a current role, she admits she'd be thrilled to become a coveted ambassador. It would be a dream come true, but I'm just enjoying every moment. And it says she was looking forward to shopping the... um, This is the last paragraph. This is the bit that gets me as the hard news bit. She said she was looking forward to shopping at the um, great department store's mid-year sale, which kicks off today. Now... And then, would you believe, you open up the paper and in the middle of this great glossy thing fell out, which was a big ad for the same same now, sale. No, uh, I was just wondering, now, does she... Any connection she, there, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that she's uh, one of Abbott's uh, free workers? You know, like, she's not an ambassador yet, but she's a friend. Yeah, and so they'll friend. have her on for four weeks uh, without yeah. pay just that's, to see if that's she, she's... That's yes. yeah, she, she makes a grade. Test run, yeah. I think she should, um... Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I think we should let the store know and Tony know that we're on his side. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of being on people's side, um, just the last thing I want to comment here is you'll be pleased to know that it was in the age last week, Theo Theophanis uh, is now a, uh, a lobbyist for um, the offshore gas industry trying to have the bans lifted. Uh, he's a former energy minister in a state government here. Um and um, he's he's like he's he's actually you know involved with the companies involved. Lakes Oil is the company he's heavily involved with, and apparently it does make the point that he and Lakes Oil did some um, he he helped them out when he was minister. But the age points out they're not it's not suggesting any illegality on behalf of the company or Theo. Or no, uh, no conflict of no, interest. No conflict of interest. Uh, well, we know Martin Ferguson, of course, now works for no the conflict of interest. No conflict of interest. But as it, well, that was pointed out, actually, because when it was pointed out that there could be, uh, Greg Barber, the Greens um, MP, said there should be a cooling-off period for ministers, etc., that line. But it was that was knocked on the head by none other than... Marty Ferguson himself. Marty, um, Marty's, a, you know, yes, Marty's uh, director of uh, gas producer BG Group over the past 17 months said there was no problem with ministers taking work in the corporate world so long as they did not use information from their ministerial career to their personal advantage or the advantage of their company, which they would never do, of course. Is that like a science fiction novel? They actually put them into some place where their brain is completely re- removed of any memories of the That's past. Right. The old electric business <laughs> Bang, yeah, that's it. Poof, out they go. Yeah. Yep. So there you are. What a and nonsense. What a nonsense. It's interesting. That is a good segue. Oh, have you finished? No, no, yeah, I've sort of finished, yeah. Well, that's yeah. kind of a good segue, as our friend Humphrey McQueen would say. Yes. <laughs> a segue. It always sounds like a dance move um, <laughs> to the ACTU Congress because mm-hmm. there was yet again a call from the, uh, from the audience for uh, the uh, encouragement uh, given to the notion that uh, Martin Ferguson should be uh, kicked out of the Labor Party. Oh, no, not poor Marty. Yeah, well, there's a move on regarding that. That that mm. started from over in Western Australia in relation to uh, the attacks on the MUA. They're a bit over Marty, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, the um, Congress, the ACTU Congress, it was held down at uh, Docklands. There's plenty of things to talk about, so I'll just give a, 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 a yeah, bit of an, just, over- an overview. overview. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, 
as I said in the previous program, the uh, uh, Jed Carney, the president, and uh, Dave Oliver and the two deputy secretaries were all returned with uh, unopposed, which is interesting in itself. Uh, and uh, there was uh, the opening speeches were around the um, Jed Carney was talking uh, about launching this uh, new campaign that they've got, uh, which is um, leading up to the uh, next election. There seems to be some discussion about. Uh, the idea that there may be an early election, the election would be called early. I don't know why that's the case, but they they seem to be getting themselves all prepared. Uh, I don't know how much earlier than 2016 we could be expecting that. But anyway, uh, so they're going to be... Tar- uh, they started... A, um, the campaign is around uh, fight for, your, for a better life, and it's about... Uh, they're using the T-shirt is the same colour combinations as the uh, previous campaign, black, white and uh, orange. So they're uh, raising people's consciousness uh, to the past events. And that led into um, Oliver, Dave Oliver's speech, which was all about this notion that uh, the ACTU made a big error uh, in uh, putting aside its uh, campaigning tools after defeating the Howard government and that instead of, and he used this term, transactional organisation, that it should be a, uh, dare I say, Trotskyist permanent revolution (laughs) concept of uh, a constantly campaigning organisation, which is, that was actually incredibly important. I actually got to ask John Seeker, who's a CFMEU uh, Victorian leader, as he was going out of the door, I said, uh, what did you think of Dave Oliver's speech? He said, oh, well, I think he's got, uh, he's got uh, the uh, right attitude. This is what needs to happen. So, you know, that was a general... Good, because we all know that the tearing up of work choices, they tore up about one page in every 20. Yeah. Um, and indeed, just on that, there, were, there was a list of demands put out, which were about the right to strike without having to go through the business and... Yeah. Uh, and right of entry, the whole, the whole, the heaps, heaps of demands. There was a whole list of them. Mm. Did they get through? Because they, yeah, yeah, were, most w- of those were things that are in work choices that didn't get torn up. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, uh, I was just going to go on about the way the um, conference was organised. There were about a thousand delegates. Okay. Um, and I did actually wonder if having it at Docklands was a metaphor for the nature of um, uh, Australian. Po- uh, Unionism in the fact that it was very fragmented organ um, uh, place. Mm. We had to walk a long way to get to the various rooms that are all called ridiculous names like um, Victory Room and stuff. <laughs> like right, yes. Yeah, no, that's a good name, I think. Oh, well, that's right. This no, is Victory, Victory Studio here. That's <laughs> <laughs> anyway, by the by, no, lots of diligent workers in this. Of course, a lot of a lot of the work was done before they got there. So, uh, But the way they divided it up was the beginning of the day was always with uh, major speeches. Then there was the uh, two uh, tiers, workers' rights policies over there, and a fair go for all policies, okay? So... Uh, uh, there were 14 all up. All these policies actually did pass. Uh, so there was 
our safety net was one. Uh, Modernising the system, a fair bargaining system, improving rights to representation. If you went to a fair go for all unions in the new economy, the 4-2 visa subclass, which is an MEAA issue, and just one of the many 420s, which we did cover and stick mm. together. Paid domestic violence leave, employees of Australian Disability Enterprises. They even passed a, a resolution about uh, muckety traditional owners and radioactive uh, waste management facilities. Now, there were uh, serious ones about uh, the Australian coastal shipping industry, not that uh, not all of them were uh, important. There were other kind of issues that they discussed, like uh, the Western Sahara, which was covered by Jan last night on uh, Tuesday Drive Time. Yeah, that, yeah. There was also, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of stuff that uh, was dealt with, and uh, every session that I went to, I w- uh, later in the day, they would then go and have two speakers, you know, the passer and the seconder, speak to the uh, um, the the policy because the group in that had been at the workshop uh, looked at it and decided they, they wanted any changes. Uh, then, um, and as far as I could make out, the changes were only related to uh, intention, making sure that the intention was as clear as possible. And it was taken to the uh, whole meeting at the end of the day and, you know, uh, a series of policies were put up and people spoke to those policies and every one of them was passed. Yeah. So a lot of work yeah. had been done to uh, make sure that that was all in order. And so at your question, yes, they were passed. Good, good. There's a couple yeah. of other issues that uh, came out for me. Uh, in that speech that Dave Oliver put out, he said uh, that um, we're going to campaign despite uh, – it uh, didn't matter who was in power – who was who was governing, but it should be pointed out that he also said that we can't win this uh, union by union. We have to be, work together. Okay, now they worked uh, very hard to make sure that there was no uh, sense of disunity in in this Congress. I haven't been to one before, so I don't know what it, I can't compare. Uh, but uh, they were working very hard to try and make sure that there was a lot of un- there was unity, uh, a public face of unity. Uh, the Every speaker, except for the uh, American uh, Robert Reich, who Robert B. Reich, who was uh, an original uh, 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 Secretary of Labor in the Clinton's first administration in America, and I'm going to play his speech on Solidarity Breakfast on Saturday, so you can get a gist of what he has to say. Um, Every other speaker, uh, outside speaker, except for Rosie Batty, was uh, a Labor Party person. So they had uh, Tanya Pleverset at the women's lunch, which is where Rosie Batty spoke. There was uh, uh, Bill Shorten. Yeah, I was going to say, when you said there were keynote speakers, I was going to say keynote speakers plus Bill Shorten. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did overhear some people uh, talking about the um, uh, merits of speakers. They uh, thought that Julia Gillard beat uh, uh, Bill Shorten in the speaking states. She 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 uh, was the uh, speaker at the uh, dinner. I didn't see her, but everybody was very proud of her. They thought mm. that she sounded great. Which is surprising, and she but she wasn't political. In, well, in inverted commas, she wasn't yeah. political. She was mainly reminiscing. 
regarding her own self. There were two things that got mentioned. Um, the, the motion to have a levy for this political campaign. Mm. Um, there were apparently no dissenters, but there were two who actually abstained, the AWU and the bus, tram and whatever order oh, that's goes in, bus, tram and train. Two, yeah, that's interesting. Two, um, and they also mentioned, and I don't know if you were aware of this, that the nurses were banned from speaking or voting because they hadn't paid some other levy. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Now, uh, someone told me this, and um, what I can say, I mean, you're more knowledgeable than I am, but what I can say on the day was that the uh, ANMF New South Wales were very vocal and they they had a contingent, and they were the ones who uh, had a uh, seminar and all the rest of it. But I didn't see any uh, obvious ANMF Victorian branch people there. Yeah, it's interesting because the argument was they they suddenly they hadn't paid. I don't know what yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, I don't but, know what it, I heard but, that too. But, but the point was made that you know because because Jed Carney came from that union, yes. it was rather ironic that they yes. as it happened to them. Now, I'll but, just have to say that, um, but I am interested about the abstention. Uh, the, the, the ACTU is putting forward the um, $13 million for the campaign, which is supposed to target marginal seats. And it's uh, they've obviously done surveying and they've got the six, pi- six pillars, which are to do with thing, things like universal education, uh, universal health care, uh, you know, a whole range of other things that are related to our living standards mm. and yeah well you did some great work obviously because you went there for three days and you did lots of recordings that I'm sure are going to yeah. appear on this station I, I, I want to tell you weeks. one other thing yeah. um, because you know how you've mentioned that those two facts and it's like letting out a hair so we should go out and find out what that means but there was an interesting hair that has taken has been um, assumed to have one meaning but I actually know that it has another and that is the Joe uh, jo de Brun issue, SDA, as in mm. the shop, shop distributors, distributors and, and allied yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, inf- employees association. Yeah. Now, this particular union has got 230,000 members, apparently. It's supposedly the largest actual union, right, in terms of membership. Now, De Bruin has uh, been 40 years in position uh, for the uh, working at yes, the union. Great believer in political rotation. Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, he is a vice president of the ACTU, but he is now standing down. Mm. And he was supposed to get a special ceremony uh, and, uh, you know, sort of the gold watch treatment during the ACTU Congress uh, over the last weekend, but he didn't get it, okay? Oh, All they did was, sure. uh, and also people have to remember that the STA is one of the, is the last of the Catholic unions, the ones that uh, the, if you if you knew any women who worked in the unions through the 70s and 80s, uh, working on equal opportunity, they will talk about there being a uh, absolute... Uh, monolithic, uh, almost, uh, array of unions mm. that were steeped yeah, in the Clarks, Catholic the Clarks, them, the, yeah, That's the right, which who yeah. would uh, humiliate, yeah. lambast and uh, try and sidetrack any sort of attempt to have... Uh, the iron workers at the time. All those yeah, equal yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Now, he represents that last uh, uh, fragment of that old time. Okay, so there was this uh, affection when, uh, and they were given the chance to uh, do quite a big promotion, SDA, uh, about their campaign uh, for uh, 
equal pay for 18-year-olds. So, you know, here they are being, you know, glammy, glammy. Mm. Now, I can tell you that uh, there's been some whispers that the reason for why he didn't get his award and a big fanfare was because of the Catholic connection and that he was, you know, that they're against uh, equal marriage rights, right? Now, that's a hair that is actually wrong. That's not correct because I was actually there and I saw the Meat Workers Union being absolutely livid that this man was going to be honoured and it was a stash where they were you know, saying this to Jed Carney and Dave Oliver on the sidelines, saying that, you know, we're just going to make a fuss. Because if you have any memory at all, just recently, the meat workers uh, at yeah. Fort Coles and Woolworths were sold out. Were sold out. And they were ropeable. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. And so therefore... And ropes, ropes much, much thicker than hair. And, and, <laughs> and, and therefore, it was obviously uh, in the uh, best interest of the ACTU, who uh, have a view of the long game, that they need to have a face of unity, and that's why it happened. Mm. Yeah. Did it? Oh, well, interesting. And a, a couple of other things to do with unions, not the conference per se, you'll be mm-hmm. interested in. Uh, you did a story on Stick Together a couple of weeks ago about Horizon and their um, oh, yeah. getting getting a, a right to get rid of the... Con- well, when the, just to background that a little bit for people, when it was privatised, it's the former Queensland Rail now called Horizon Privatised, they agreed to the to workers' wages conditions... Um, uh, and the um, members and the no, no redundancies, etc. They, they 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 appealed against that, kept appealing, and they got a uh, a finding in the last few weeks that they could sack workers, they could reduce wages and conditions, etc. You'll be pleased to know they're considering whether to return more cash to shareholders to address investor concerns about the with their weak growth prospects, etc. The Horizon's strong balance sheet continues to offer capital management opportunities, a company spokesperson said. So they're now, while they're cutting back workers' wages and conditions, they're now talking about giving more money to shareholders. Isn't that lovely news? That's wonderful. What? That's just good for the shareholders. That's a terrible thing. Terrible thing to say about a great company. Um, And the other one, James Hardy Industries. they're um they've just rewarded shareholders with a 98 million US dollars 124 million Australian special dividend at the same time they've washed their hands for any responsibility for a shortfall in compensation payments to asbestos victims and while they're giving 124 million special dividend to shareholders uh, the New South Wales Treasury has agreed to increase the state's loan facility to the Asbestos Injuries Fund by more than $100 million after a blowout, etc., etc. So the state is putting $100 million into the fund while they're giving $124 million to shareholders. Isn't that just great news? I'll tell you what, Kevin. Uh, if people didn't think there was a class war on, that would be... No such thing. Yeah. No. You know, the boss. They're creepy and they're scary, got votes from the unwary, they're so unnecessary, the Abbott family. They got in thanks to Rupert, their policies are stupid, they stay in, we're all rooted, the Abbott family. Well, I'm 110, I'm saying that again, we might be rooted too if we don't hear from you. They don't respect the workers, they really love to hurt us. They should be in a circus, the Abbott family. 
Um, <laughs> that was just too many things all at the same time, Kevin. It was indeed. <laughs> and uh, John McPherson's on the line. John, of course, um, every every month he comes on the first Wednesday of every month for many years now. And well, we often just take for granted people know who John is. But John, of course, was a former vice president of the ACTU, and I've been saying now in recent months, <laughs> not ACTU, of the still back in the last conversation of the Public Transport Users Association. He has given long advice. Long time ago, Kevin. That's right. He, he has given advice to government, which, as I keep saying, they've totally ignored, or mostly. And uh, John comes on and gives us his expert opinion. John, anything you want to talk about this month that uh, before we go on to stuff I've got here? Oh, well, I suppose the um, interesting thing is that the announcements of the timetable for the new regional, you know, the new regional rail link line that um, um, and it's been built around the back of Werribee, you know, so that mm. people coming from Geelong... Tarnit, etc., yes. ...go through Tarnit mm. and Wyndham Vale and, and Deer Park and go the great way around, that um, the, the timetables have been announced for that, which will come in come into effect in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting to see see the um, see what's happened with that. The, the times the trains are taking from Geelong seem to be around about the same as they were taking via the more direct route that went through Werribee. Mm. On that, we were speculating that because of the diversion, it would have to take longer. But the, yeah. the trains are going faster, though, aren't they? Yeah, they are going. They are apparently going a bit faster. Um, and so they're not apparently taking any longer, which is, thankful, which is you know, thankfully a good thing because they weren't exactly fast to start with, even though this new line's got, is designed for speeds up to 160 kilometres an hour. Um, the, many of many of the trains are going to be stopping at those two two stations, Tynead and Wyndham Vale. So um, there's not going to be much sign of express services for for people from um, Geelong, um, which would have made the train a more attractive option to to driving on the um, mm. freeway, at least outside peak hours. Uh, when when the road is not you know not too congested, but there are most, lot, there are going to be more trains, aren't there? So yeah, there are going to be there are going to be a few more trains um, during the day. They're actually going to be running a train every twenty minutes, even in the mm. off peak periods, which is. Um, same as my line. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I live very close to the city. <laughs> That's right. It's um, it, it's uh, surprised me a bit that they've. Uh, that they've really taken a bit between the teeth on the Geelong line for twenty minutes service. Mm. And I would have thought maybe a half hour service might have might have been the yeah. go, but no no, twenty minutes. Well the twenty minute service and it's ten minutes at peak I think, isn't it? So yeah, that's um right. that's in that right. case they couldn't run expresses because they'd run into the back of the train in front of them. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> well, you know, in theory there are clever clever ways to organise the timetable to uh, mitigate that sort of thing, but but um yeah, that's um in reality there aren't going to be many trains that miss many stations. They're going to be stopping... Most trains are going to be stopping all stations. Mm. So it's not going to be exactly fast, fast travel, travel. So would you call it an improvement? Yeah, uh, yes. Definitely an improvement, yes. The 20-minute um, off-peak train all day is, you know, amazing by by, by Melbourne standards, or by mm. Australian standards. Yeah, coming from uh, a... From an urban yeah. city, yeah, and and you urban. know people we'll people in in Ballarat and places are now asking, well, you know, it's good enough. What about me? That's right, yeah. yeah what about me? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's it's, um, it's a totally reasonable question too. Mm. Um, you know, 
um, Ballarat's also a big city. It's, it's also not far away. And um, of course, you've got you've got Bacchus Marsh and um, and uh, Melton and Balan along that line as well. Um, Melton, Melton really needs a, a, a suburban type service. Uh, it doesn't. Nothing ever seems to happen to, to to give them a good a good service like a like a twenty minute service all day from Melton. If um, Geelong deserves it, certainly Melton deserves it because they really are a suburb suburb of Melbourne. Mm. We had three, um, I don't know if you remember, John, when we had that group called PEST, People for Environmentally Sustainable Transport, years ago, uh, we had three placement students, social work students, who undertook as their study with us to look at public transport in Melton. And, of course, they they revealed what everyone knew, that there's bugger all there. Uh, But nothing seems to have changed much. No, no, I I, um, I, I find the Melton situation outrageous. To be frank, it's it's um, it's, it's um, and I and I blame actually I blame Don Nardella for a lot of it. He's been the local member there forever, and uh, I've never seen him show the slightest interest, at least publicly, in, in improving public transport. Um, it's um, it's 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 a, it's um, frankly an outrage <laughs> that it's mm. so bad. Um, even if it isn't electrified, it would be possible to have say a half hourly rail car from Melton and um, and in fact you, you could have the half hourly service all the way from Ballarat um, I think I think it could be done even on the present line which isn't double track all the way but I think I think they, 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 they could improve things a lot if they, if anybody felt there was a political pressure to do so but apparently there, there isn't so I think Ballarat gets one more train um, in the peak hour, uh, that's 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 what they're going to get out of out of the regional rail link, and um, maybe their trains will be speeded up by a few minutes. But and that's about what will happen with Bendigo as well. They're going to be their trains are going to be speed up a little bit. And and, and tar- going back to Tarnie, Tarnie yeah. will be will be served every twenty every twenty minutes or ten minutes in peak by V line, not by the yes, Met system. That's right, Wyndham Vale. And Tarnit, these these new stations west of Werribee are going to be served by V line, but they're going to have a service that, that you know around about the same level as the service you get on your suburban line on the upfield line. I'm kind of interested. I went to Bendigo just on Sunday, so I oh, actually great. got to use the system. Uh, and uh, I also go to Castlemaine. It's all the same yeah. line. But um, the uh, business of using the My Key card to uh, do uh-huh. the journey, uh, is there going to be a, uh, do you think, that there's a move towards uh, removing the demarcation between the two systems? Well, I, I thought... I thought Mark, Mark, Marky had already been introduced. It has, it has. Yeah. No, I was just wondering. Um, um, so well, V Line and Metropolitan Systems are collecting their money in exactly yeah. the same way. Yeah. Well, I, well, somehow or other, they're they're okay. um, feeding into feeding into Marky. I, yeah. I think I think there's no real effort in government to, you know. To separate the money out. Oh, really? So the, it all comes from the same pot. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Mm. Mm. 
that, <laughs> that actually doesn't make bureaucratic sense. Annie, we're talking about public transport in Melbourne, so <laughs> you want cents? <laughs> no, I want dollars. Oh, <laughs> good heavens! <laughs> First time the word cents has been used for public transport in Melbourne in decades. <laughs> well, well, um, I think personally, I think the whole Marky thing's got very screwed up. Um, as it's been changed and changed again, trying to make it trying to make it workable. But um, um, but the trouble with using it on the country services is you've got to make sure that you've actually got enough money on your Mikey. You know when you go to when you go to you know yeah yeah well, that's right, right. to exactly. zap it but yeah well you know because I mean how, you know how much money do people actually keep on their on their Mikeys? I don't I don't I don't know. I suppose you you learn by bitter experience if you don't have enough on your Mikey account for when you've got going by a country ticket. Mm. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, I used to use the Geelong train a hell of a lot sure, going down to the coast, but I haven't this yeah. year or since February. But, no. but can you, now that's happened, can they still, can you still buy a ticket on the train? Um, I didn't see anybody doing that. Yeah, no, I've got a feeling that that, that, that transition period might, might have finished. I think it was right. a transition period. And the idea is that everybody will now be t- totally Mikey, you know. You can still to... you can still reserve a ticket and mm-hmm. uh, re- reserve a spot. So they right. have. Um, it's interesting because they've divided. I'm interested mm. in administration, obviously, <laughs> but yeah. they have the train divided up into at least three categories. One is the uh, ticket that's been reserved, which right. is a paper ticket, and then right. there's uh, things like a quiet. Ca- oh, uh, yes. carriage right. yes. and then there's the really noisy mm. so you were in the noisy carriage but... uh, well actually what happened was um, I got into a carriage and I didn't know the difference between all this so I just learned from experience but uh, I went into a carriage and there was all this piped music and I didn't know where it was coming from I thought I don't want I don't pay for pipe music when I'm trying to read my book and so I moved down to the next carriage and realised I was right in the middle of Bogan land which is uh-huh. Um, okay, because it was kind of fascinating listening to people's conversations, yeah. but uh, it was pretty noisy. <laughs> I see. Um, so you can still reserve a ticket. Yes, a apparently. I think there's certain trains that I mean I know coming up from yeah, um, yeah. from the coast, so some of the warnable trains warnable have, trains, that's right, the have reserve seats. Yeah, reserve, and yeah, and if yeah. you're getting on with a ticket. So yeah. they'd play like Marshall or oh, somewhere. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah. the, maybe then on the long distance trains. Um, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, doesn't apply beyond so beyond Ballarat or beyond Geelong or beyond Bendigo. Well, they're all about mm. the same length. Now, yeah. now you think about it. I used to, I was brought up mm. in Warrnambool. I mean, yeah. Melbourne. If you look at the map of Victoria, what you find yeah. is that if you go along each road, major road yeah. that yeah. comes out of Melbourne, you, it's thirty kilometres between each. Uh, blip on the landscape because that's as far as horses used to travel, right? (laughs) And then if you look at the actual map, you'll find that everything's about three and a half hours away. All the major places are about three and a half hours away. Um, And so it's a ring, you know? That's how Victoria operates, Mm -hmm. on a country level anyway. Warnable is about horses, of course. Oh, yeah. has been feeling very left out. They reckon they're on that ring and they should be looked after much better than they are. Mm. Well, there you go. Because the Ballarat and Bendigo get hourly, at least hourly trains. Ship. Uh, John, I was going to ask you, on the eastern side yeah, of that ring... Gets, can I finish on Shepparton? Yeah, go on, go on, go on. Yeah, I was just going to... Not a sentence. Just going to say, it only seems to get three trains a day. Ooh. And they came, 
uh, from Shepparton, and they all came up to town in their pajamas last week to say, "Look, we have to get out of bed at some ridiculous hour in the morning to get the get the only train that'll get us to Melbourne." For us. So yeah. I've got, I've, I think they've got a point. I really do. Maybe the Melton people should take a leaf out of the yeah. Shepparton's book. Get Nardella, get Don Nardella out there and he's... Well, what I was going to say before you rudely interrupted me from rudely interrupting you um, was um, the the other side, the eastern side. We don't talk about it yeah. much, but the trains out to Tyrrell and Bairnsdale, yeah. etc. What, what's do they get much of a service? Yeah, they um, they got they got an upgrade of the track. You know, back when the regional lines got their fast rail upgrade, theirs was upgraded too, and they get a they get a, an hourly service during the day. Uh, that goes services as far as Torralgan. As far as Torralgan gets an hourly service. Um, Sale gets a few more, doesn't get an hourly service, but gets, I don't know, six or eight trains a day. And two or three trains go all the way through to Bansdale each day. Which you have to understand mm. is an advance because I also lived on that side and of the they state. Cut, well, they were cut out for a They were compl- cut out. Mm. So, uh, they were it, indeed. And, when and the, they were uh, they very impassioned campaign to get the trains back to Bansdale mm. and when the um, when the, the Brax government came back in that's right the one of the first things they did was reinstate those trains because they had had such a persistent campaign uh, oh but it wasn't just that it was because it was paying off the uh, the work of the people down there the labor people down there for um, their very nifty uh, fast stepping in uh, changing people's conservative vote away from uh, the uh, buried treasure down there, David Treasure, uh, right. to uh, yes. the uh, independent Ingram. That's right. Ingram. That's right. Yes, when, when, mm. when I saw that up power. close too. Yeah, when Brax was in power for three independents. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And public transport was it were issues issues for all of those. Well, it's always an issue in the country. Um, and so um, you'll notice this time around the one our one term Conservative government didn't try any of those silly, silly <laughs> tricks against mm. the country trains. Well, they didn't do anything much about anything. <laughs> well, in this case, we shouldn't really criticise them. No, that, that's we? right. <laughs> they were they were really a um, a fluffy duck <laughs> government. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I knew people in the, I won't name anybody, of course, but I knew people in the public service who were, yeah. you know, screaming because they, the whole public service was screaming because they really had nothing to do because the government wasn't giving them any direction. It mm. was just they were hopeless. nothing was happening. Yeah, I thought it was a hopeless government. Uh, John, uh, John, what could you do for public transport if you were given $87 million a day, by the way? Where does that figure come from? It's what we spend per day on defence in Australia. Ah. ah. Oh, well. Bullet trains, maybe, maybe, eh, or something like that. Um, bullet train, yeah. yeah, that's right. Bullet trains. Mm. They, oh, they, I, think, they, I think I think that could, that could go very nice. Better better that. bullets than the one they get. Um, but <laughs> well, that, yeah. well, I raise that because also there was a report in the last couple of weeks from a group called mm. IMD World Competitors Yearbook. It's Switzerland based, but it, Australia went way down the list in competitiveness on all sorts of things, including infrastructure. Uh-huh. And the and it goes on to say that even though Abbott called himself the infrastructure. You know, Prime Minister, yeah. etc. Uh, in fact, it's not happening, and it got mm. attacked by Professor Stephen Martin from um, 
from the uh, Committee for Economic Development of Australia. I presume it's the same Steve Martins, an ex-Labor federal minister. As opposed to the uh, comedian. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, if you're a federal minister in Labor, you probably are a comedian. But um, Although no one's laughing. Well, it got, it, this, this got a response from yeah. Warren Truss, the Minister for oh. Infrastructure. And Warren came out, he said, contrary to the baseless assertions made by Cedar Chief Martin, the Australian government is building the new transport infrastructure the country needs today and gearing the economy for growth. Then he lists some things. He says, the record $50 billion investment in productivity growth... Um, and he says includes $21 billion for the Roads to Recovery program, $500 million for the Black Spots program, $300 million, for, labor. $300 million for the new Bridges Renewal program, $229 mil for the National Highway Upgrade program, and $200 mil for the Heavy Vehicle Safety and Productivity program. Now, John, can you see any omission in any of that? Uh, <laughs> and the, the public transport. Oh, exactly. I, you've got it. I couldn't think of it. I was trying to make out what was missing. <laughs> Nothing on public transport, whatever. No, no, no. Words are cheap, eh? No. But look, the, um, all, all, the, all the articles I've been reading, even in not, not, not necessarily in the Financial Review, which seems to be the only thing you read, Kevin, um, it says that, that investment on infrastructure is... is Diving down—it's not going up. That's right, but that's but that's the point being made. That's a, but that's the yeah. bizarre thing. We've got this. What's wrong with these guys? Supposed to be so enthusiastic, you know, you know. Even if it is on roads, even even the roads—they're <laughs> hopeless. Yeah, they're screaming as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I, I think it's called lame duck government. Isn't that what the well, Americans like something. to say? Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, poor old ducks. They get it every. <laughs> they get it in the neck every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's bizarre, but we all know that um, you know Abbott proudly says that you know he's not he's not even financing anything to do with urban urban rail. Urban rail is somehow you know uh, the antichrist. I'm sure that's the way he thinks about it. He thinks about a lot of things as being hmm. the antichrist. You know, he's got a very very Christian way of thinking, hasn't he? Yes, that's right. He's, he's going to hit the bejesus out of people at the moment, yeah, isn't he, about something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. I'm praying, praying about George Pell at the moment, too. He's great, yeah, that's mate. Right. Yeah, but also, George. you know, the uh, incredible level of uh, uh, scrutiny regarding the uh, uh, equality in marriage. Um, not that it's not important to... Uh, consider such things, but uh, it's interesting that it should be the major discussion at the moment when, you know, uh, as you say, public transport money isn't being made. Mm -hmm. uh, Aboriginal people are being chucked off their land. Um, Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, get over it. Just do it. It sounds like both sides of politics are a bit disinterested in in anything substantial. Like governing? Yeah. <laughs> mm, that's right. They'd yes, anything. Rather, they'd both rather play around with social policy. Anything to divert them from actually doing something. Yeah. Mm. yeah. There was one fairly serious one last week, mm. John. Um, this was not. A, this wasn't in the financial review. It was in the age. John would be surprised for that. But which you doubtless would have saw. But a driver got stood down up on the Ferntree Gully line between Upway and Upper Ferntree Gully for going uh, against yeah. a signal. Now it sounds like he had some sort of major personal problem, I would suggest, and shouldn't, but but well, but nonetheless, um, it sounds like it was incredibly dangerous. Ooh. Yeah, well, he 
Because it's just, just to clarify that for people, it's it's a single line, and a train could have been coming in the other direction. He went through yeah. a red light. Oh, he, through, he actually went through two red lights. Yes, and then and the way, tw- I, the way I read it is he knew perfectly well that there wasn't a train coming the other way. Yes, and that that whoever should have changed the signals for him hadn't, and he just had had he just got he got angry, so irritated that he just said, "I'll f this, I'm going." No. And he, he he really he really knew that that he was he was he was safe to do so, but he should not have done it. Mm. And those sort of rules that you do not pass signals at red are, you know, the absolute bottom bottom rigid line of rail rail safety. You know, That's, you yeah. do not do things like that. And indeed, the emergency brakes activate when it goes through the signal, right. but twice he, he twice he reset it. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Perfectly well. He yeah. Perfectly well. What he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I read it, I thought he, he probably was aware there was no train going to come on the normal timetable um, mm. in the other direction. Yeah. But it's yeah, still well, pretty well, dangerous. He may well have even talked to, to talked to some mate or other on on the radio and and discovered there was no other train on the line up ahead of him that could even come back towards him. You know, if you see what I mean. So he knew he was in in a, in reality quite safe. But he did. He, he completely did the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, it may be it may have been that somebody in the uh, in the signalling area didn't didn't push the right button and, and left him sitting at a red signal fuming. You know, for five or ten minutes or something. And that shouldn't shouldn't have happened either. But mm. he had no no um, no um, right to pass that signal at red. No. So unfortunately, I think he may no longer have a job. That would be my suspicion. Yeah, it's a pity because um, yeah, but but and it does say, in fact, the the incident capped off a rise in the year of metro train drivers mm. passing red signals that are mm. set to stop. There have been seventy three incidents in which a metro driver has mm. passed a signal of danger since July one, right. and it exceeds the previous year. But yeah. uh, so not, um, they're not always major one, major no, ones either. But no, sometimes well, it can only be you know only a few. Meters and things like that. It does say that some of them are very minor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does. But, might it might actually key into this uh, thing about wanting to have trains that have no drivers. Yeah, yeah. It might also key into the bad press for air, aeroplanes driving into mountains because of psycho dri- uh, drivers. Mm. <laughs> I yeah, know that's. Those, yeah. Yeah. Maybe well, there's right, some well. something there. You know, it's all about uh, how people feel about things. Mm. Well, well, all forms of transport, you know, many in the end, things come down to the, um, the state of mind of the um, the pilot or the driver or the whatever. Um, but anyway, but there should there should of course be lots of backups that um, you know make it pretty impossible to happen, and the um, automatic trip stops on our. On our um, suburban rail system, it's an old-fashioned old system, but it does it does put the brakes on if you try and pass a pass a red signal. But of course, the driver can then just re- reset it. He has to get out of his cab to do it, but he can reset it. So, uh, 
he was uh, committed enough to actually get off his seat to do it. The uh, <laughs> it sounds like uh, the uh, uh, what is it? The Life Be Unit campaign. Uh, I'll just get out of my chair. Yeah, perhaps it, perhaps he was on a fitness three. Who knows? The also see where. Oh, and you and you should you should actually say that uh, train travel is safe. Well, yes, yes. Well, it's certainly much, much safer than much being safer. out there on the road, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Much, much safer than being on, your, yeah. on the road, in your car or on your, on your bicycle. And, and one mob want to bring in a company that um, called um, CDC Victoria mm-hmm. wants to bring double-decker buses in oh. on, a, on some routes. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it says it's they use them because of the fact that they're so overcrowded. I, mm. Buses in my area, I must admit, are usually empty. Um, <laughs> there must be areas where people actually use them. Yeah, there are, there are Kevin. Um, <laughs> some, of the, some of the shuttles between railway stations and universities and things like that. There's a whole section of Melbourne, yeah. and I was going to bring it up late before, mm. because my daughter lives in Coburg. This is all terribly, terribly personal, but uh, <laughs> but I get to actually learn that there's all these ring ringing around uh, at a certain point in the suburban structure of Melbourne. You get to a certain uh, point where uh, it's all buses. All buses and everything is done in this sort of cobweb uh, arrangement around in in circular arrangement in these places. And the bit that's really disturbing about it is that there are no real bus stops for shelter. They're just there. And also uh, the road systems in these places are generally have very few clearances, you know, because they're all older uh, suburbs that are incredibly tightly... uh, planned and uh, also um, they don't link to the trains. No, that's, that's, mm. that's a long-term problem, that one. The, that, yes. that, yeah, it, seems, it seems that, well, even if, the, even if the buses go anywhere near the railway station, that's right. the, the, the problem is that the um, buses are so infrequent that the, um, that the um, getting off a train and then you know, wanting to get on a bus to go somewhere, you might find yourself waiting half an hour. Yeah, it's a bit like going mm. a, a, on a Himalayan ex, excursion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's they, right. All. There, there's, a, there's an issue in nearly every part of suburban Melbourne with the bus system simply not having frequent enough services. And I, I think what should happen is that the people who do the planning should have to go one day a week and follow a particular bus system, you know, try and go from A to B using Mm. the system so that you can actually calculate what the issues are because it just infuriates you. Yeah. That's right. A to B via the rest of the alphabet. Yeah, well, they basically need to be given a sort of random trip and and told, you know... Do it. Go on. Mm. Work it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell me if you feel okay at the end of it. <laughs> what a great day you just had. It really, to me, it's, it's, you know, the main issue is that virtually none of the bus services operate at high enough frequency to make it, to make it possible to sort of turn up and go on the bus system. And the buses, as well as being infrequent, are also unreliable. That's right. When you put infrequent buses together with unreliability, you've got a system where you've got to leave half a day to, to travel. Made in heaven. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. one of my local ones, the one that runs from Mooney Ponds over to Clifton Hill, on a Saturday, mm. there are periods where it only runs once an hour on a Saturday, mm. you know, which mm. is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that would be, that would be quite often those sort of things happen just because it's convenient for the bus company. It's got nothing, it's got nothing to do with whether, whether the patronage is there or not. It's just that the, uh, the bus company finds it a bit hard on a Saturday to find a bus for that. That's right. And what you've that. got is so people who live in these outer suburbs who are just grateful that there's something there at all. Now, that's yeah. really not mm. a good balance. Not at uh, all. And, of course, it means, too, that, that families that haven't got much money to spare still find themselves owning a fleet of cars because, you know, members of the family simply won't wait, won't yeah. use the service. That's you know, right. Maybe... Maybe there's some 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 people in the family will, but there but the younger ones maybe will simply not. And apparently, studies have shown that people in the outer areas tend you know tend to be on lesser income. Yeah, that's right. They also also tend to spend more money on transport than than people from you know better off inner areas. Yeah, so it's an oxymoron that that yeah. that it should be sorted out. That's right. Well, it just seems to be. It just seems to be impossible. The the bus systems, in particular, in Melbourne, just never get the attention they they desperately need. Yeah, and they mm. do. They desperately need it. Mm. John, just to finish up, by the way, you'll be pleased yeah. to know that Vic Roads has gone mad. Yeah. Um, they've actually want to. Um, they've said they want to plant trees and feature fountains and seating on roads to slow traffic down. Um, they, they, they're consulting councils, they're consulting the planning authority, the Victoria Walks and Council Arbor, Arbora Culture Victoria to talk about this. It aims to improve community well-being by supporting significant boulevards of trees and boosting walking and cycling rates through more appealing roadside environments. It won't uh, last. No, well, right. it's a right. consultation right. process, but you'll be pleased right. to. <laughs> well, that's what. Well, hang on, coming to that, you'll be more pleased to know that the old old Brian Negus, ex Vic Road engineer, now RACB public policy, said any move to cut speed limits and traffic lanes in order to make yeah. it safer for trees to be planted was not on. The <laughs> travelling public would rightly say that's not acceptable. <laughs> Having attractive road reserves is a good idea, but you really have to look at what the safety risks are that you might create if it's large trees. Good old Brian. Yeah, he can always be relied upon to, to put the views of the 1960s. Yeah. <laughs> well, I keep pointing out Brian was the site engineer in 19... Whatever, when we were fighting freeways in the yeah. 70s, so he was down there, Brian. Yeah, and we've been, we've been close been, mates ever since. He's been involved with quite a few interesting projects. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, oh, we've, we're just about well, run out of time, Jay. Isn't nothing else to say? Oh, you have plenty oh. to say, but any, anything... Anything useful? Yeah, that's right. Anything to help? How's your health? How's my health? Much way. Uh, well, I'm, I'll, I think I'll totter back to bed as soon as I get off the phone. Right. You missed a cup of tea this morning, John? Yeah, I've got my own cup of tea. Oh, yeah, but it's, I bet it's a tea bag again like yeah, last time. Yeah. 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 But, um, anyhow. Oh, well. anyhow we'll, we'll, I'll, I promise to be in better health next month. All right. Well, we hope to see you in here next month, John. Indeed. And, uh, and thanks for your time again, though. And okay. Thanks for getting out of bed. And you, getting out of a sick bed to do this is pretty pretty good, actually. Oh, well, I didn't have to go far. Okay. Thanks, okay. mate. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. John McPherson Bye-bye. there, who's um, a monthly commentator on. And, Annie, look, thank you for filling in today. You've done a great job. Oh, thank and you. made a great contribution. And uh, we look forward to getting... Well, doubtless we'll be hearing some more reports from the Congress and... 
You've oh yeah, you've yeah got there's, lots there's of, the variety of stuff. stuff. Uh, yeah. a, a lot of stuff that can um, have, that are re- um, relevant for different types of programming at 3CR. Good, excellent. Well done. Okay, and next week is Radiothon, of course, which I loathe with a passion, but we have to go through it. Yeah, no, you have to do your duty. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, dirty duty. You talk, sound like you're in the army or something. Um, yeah, everything's <laughs> like you're in the army. It's like people yes. have... Uh, for, uh, I was just... as We're just about to go, but uh, coming in here, I was thinking uh, how absurd it is that uh, white Australia is... Uh, can only adhere, uh, feel like it's cohesive if it celebrates a whole lot of people going to die at a war. That is the most silly thing. Yeah, and look, just to finish up, because I come out riding up here on Smith Street the last two weeks now, massive traffic jams on Smith Street because there's a big building site, that Banco one, where they've got slow and stop things and they're yeah, stopping yeah. traffic. And I think no one says... Developers stopping traffic is some sort of terrible impediment, but if it, an indigenous mm. an indigenous um, protest yeah. holds up a street for a couple of hours, it's screaming and yelling about how unreal it is. How terrible. anyway, we have to go. 